From ThatShelf.com, this is Black Hole Films. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby to get ourselves a treat. What's a black hole film, you ask? Well, you know those films you always meant to get around to watching, but you never did for whatever reason? Well, that's what they are. And this podcast is all about embracing them and checking those films off our lists and talking about them and whatever else happens to come up. I'm Canadian filmmaker Jeremy Lalonde, and I will be your host. You can follow me on Twitter at LalondeJeremy, or check out my website, JeremyLalonde.com, for more information on me and my projects. If you like the show, please subscribe to it, rate, review it, and leave a comment on whatever platform it is you're listening. It really does make a difference in helping to get more ears tuning in. And if you like this show, check out the others on the ThatShelf.com family of podcasts. And without further delay, let's get into this week's film. This is episode 257, and today I'm joined by writer Mike McFadden. Mike's known for shows such as Jan. Also joining us is Carrie Kupix. Carrie works for an awesome organization called Real Canada, which is a nonprofit dedicated to the presentation of Canadian films in Canadian schools. Fancy that. And we're going to sit down and watch a film together. All right, so we're sitting down to watch American Graffiti. I'm Jeremy. I have seen this film, but not for a very, very long time. With me is... I'm Carrie. Carrie Kupes. I have not seen this film. And also... I'm Mike McFadden. I have not seen this film. Great. So, my, I watched this film when I was very young. I was probably, I think my son's age. Um, and I saw this film actually before I saw Star Wars. What? Because my parents weren't into science fiction and stuff like that. And they, they weren't into Star Wars either. So this was a precursor to... But I'd seen Indiana Jones because for some reason my cousins got me into that. Right. But uh, so this was like... I saw this in the right order for George Lucas directorial films. <laughs> Wait, so you saw Indiana Jones before you saw Star Wars? Yeah. Oh my god. And, and also, I saw Star Wars improperly. I saw Return of the Jedi first <gasps> at my neighbor's house because they wanted to watch it and I didn't know what that was. I knew I'd heard of Star Wars, but I didn't know that that was like another chapter in Star Wars, so right. I had no problem with watching it out of order. I was like, sure. And I was like, this is a terrible movie. I don't know what's going on. Like, this is the worst movie ever. Like, the setup for this is terrible. <laughs> We're thrown right into it. This guy's in, like, carbon something. I don't, why do I care about this guy? I was in the middle of judging how you were raised. And then I remembered, for my son, he got it even worse in the sense that he saw all this, like, ancillary Star Wars universe material for, like, years. Until one day, he pointed to... Uh, like he saw something on my computer and it was like a screen grab of like Chewie Han and Luke uh, like on the bridge of the Millennium Falcon. And he goes, Daddy, that looks like Star Wars, but in real. And I realized he'd never seen anything Star Wars related that wasn't like Clone Wars or like Lego version oh or like God. a cute animated like picture book. And I was like, oh, Oh, yeah, no, 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 that's all based on something else you've never seen before. And showed him Star Wars. Oh, wow. Wow. And uh, so how did that affect his relationship with it once he started watching the live action stuff? I mean, he thought it was really, really cool. But there was some stuff he was like, what? I think he thought it was going to be still on the cute side. And he, like, he was a bit scared of Chewbacca. And... Huh, interesting. How, how old was he? Uh, maybe six. Okay. But you know what? I, was, I think I was six when my mom took me to see it in the movie theater. 
when it was like first released. Yeah, I think I was too. Like I think we were a similar age. Yeah, I had my yeah. son watch it around that age because I didn't want. My wife wasn't sure. She thought he was too early, but I was like, some some kid's gonna go to come to school and ruin it for him and start giving <laughs> stuff away. Yeah, Pop culture. I just think George Lucas probably it's like a total typical experience for him. It's like you start people start talking about American graffiti and it quickly starts to talk about I know. All the Star Wars stuff. Right, right, right. That's it. So let's cycle back then. No, you're right. Uh, so so I saw this was one of my mom's favorite movies. And so she put it on when I was probably far too young to really grasp it or understand it. Um, so I don't have a ton. I remember some of the cast. I remember the music was great. Um, and it, it's a period film. And that's about all. And some, like a, I think they're like, I won't say too much because maybe you don't know anything. But that's what I remember. Uh, what do you know about? Or why, actually, let's start. Why haven't you seen this movie? Oh, that's a good question. Um, I don't know. I think I just, I don't think there's a particular reason. I think I just. It didn't grab you? Um, I just don't think I ever like had the, you know, opportunity not that I'm, of course I have the opportunity to watch any movie I want, but like, you know what I mean? Like nobody. Carrie's been in prison the last 12 yeah. months. <laughs> the truth yeah. comes out. <laughs> yeah. I think it just, it just never, yeah. It just never came up. If that makes sense. No, that's fair. Uh, why haven't I seen this movie? I yeah. feel like what little I've heard about it, it struck me as a film that's like, a nostalgia movie and if you don't belong to the generation that feels that nostalgia it's like not an urgent movie to see yeah so i'm curious to see if that's true i'm curious to see if there's is there a is there a, i don't even i have no idea what the plot is but any sort of capsule descriptions i've seen about it have been like love letter to the 1950s as opposed to protagonist has a problem blah blah blah, blah, blah. boy you gotta see this mike it's yeah. not been the impression i've got yeah, I always got the impression that it's, yeah, they're just driving around in their cars, and right. that's kind of... Yeah, I think it's <laughs> actually... The, that's exactly yeah. what the impression that I have. <laughs> I think it's actually the 60s, but Is it I the could 60s? be wrong. I want to say it's 1966, but I don't know if that's right. Because it's not that period of, of a film, really, considering when it was made. Like, it would have been made in mid-70s, if Star Wars is 77. Well, I think yeah. it was early 70s, because I think it came out in 73 or something. Yeah. So well, maybe it is 50s then. Because it's, like, based on his... Childhood. His, like, teenagehood. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, that... I don't know. Although, I think, it, I think it's about people... He that, was young in the early 70s, like, in his 20s. Yeah, he was... Just, well, he had made the THX movie, and then there was this, right? That was This is his yeah. second, and Star Wars was his third film. But I'm pretty sure, and I might be mistaken, but I'm pretty sure that he... Like, THX was, like, a, he did it in college. Like it yeah, was like it's, an, and it's an art film. project, yeah. Right, right. So... And then he made this, like, when he, shortly out of college, I guess. So he would have been, like, in his 20s. Yeah. In the early 70s. So maybe late 50s, early 60s? Yeah, because it's, I think, like, like that sort of transition from, like, um, I don't know, I haven't seen it yet. But, like, yeah, that transition for basically from the 50s to 60s, like, that moment. I think I that's, that's where it is. Like, yeah, it's really... That reluctant goodbye to the 50s as yeah. things were getting less innocent. That's yeah, a, that feels right. Yeah, and I will say that I've always had a low tolerance for nostalgia, so maybe that is one right. of the reasons why I've never. Oh, this would be fun to watch. No, I, it's true. <laughs> I I do kind of like do a bit of eye roll of like I do have a certain like segment of like Facebook friends where it's like wow you really just post like like eighties 
TV show themes or <laughs> quizzes about TV shows that have been on the air in 20 years. Like you're, at least the stuff that you're sharing is only about like high school and like the six years afterwards. Kind yeah. Of thing. And the only modern stuff is Cobra Kai. Right. <laughs> <laughs> the stuff that's, but that's just it. It's like we are, because, it, it, and that's, you know, marketing knows that like the, the movies and the shows that are being made are aware of those people. Right. Cause that's that thing that marketers call nostalgia. Which yeah. is like what Cobra Kai is, the idea of like taking something old but making it new again because you get to sell it to not only the parents, but also the parents will ram it down the kids' throats for sure. too for you because yeah. they're excited about it because it reminds you of them of their childhood. And don't get me wrong, I'm not saying I'm immune to nostalgia. I'm yeah. really not. But at least try to like also add some like new yeah. stuff along yeah, with it at least. for sure. But it's interesting because I grew up... I like period films. I like nostalgia films, but it's, but it's interesting because all the nostalgia films I watched growing up were nostalgia for eras I didn't live in. So for me, it was like right. a way to watch a time capsule of something I knew nothing about. So I, right. I enjoy that. But it was fascinating because uh, just a couple of weeks ago, I, we we watched uh, Adventureland, which I'd seen before, but um, it's it's very much like a nostalgia film for some of my age. Because it's about like the '90s, like the the kind of the mid early mid '90s, and I was like, "Oh my god, this is what it feels like to watch a nostalgia film that's that's geared towards you." This is weird. <laughs> I'm like, I know those, sh- like, and I was just looking and, and really appreciating like the level of detail and like wardrobe and just production design and like you know the thing, like just little things. I was like, the de- level of detail here is strong. Where I just look at other you know period movies and just assume, oh, maybe they got it right. I don't know. I don't know how painstaking detail they went into on all the details in that kid's bedroom. Right. Yeah, that's a good point. I hadn't thought about that. Maybe I, it's that I have a low tolerance for other people's nostalgia. <laughs> it makes me kind of a jerk, but... <laughs> well, it's true. I'm trying to think of, like, the good nostalgia films from... I remember, like, The Wackness was one. Was It was, like, uh, did the 90s really, really well. Um, did you ever see the movie The Wackness? No. No. It was oh I'm getting I'm gonna forget the filmmaker's name but he also did Fifty Fifty, and um, what's his name? Anyway, he's in like the Seth Rogen camp now, but uh, it's gonna drive me nuts. Anyway, that really really great movie. I think who is it? Um, ben Kingsley plays uh, a really really great character in that movie. Um, anyway. If you haven't seen it, you haven't seen it. That's fine. And it's good 90s nostalgia. Yeah, what are some of, of nostalgia films you like, though? Which Can you think of any? Mm. Carrie can't. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure I can if I think about it. Um, but, Mike, you say, well, I think. Well, I mean, I think there's... I think there's two kinds of nostalgia films. There's the ones where it's nostalgia for an era, and then there's the ones that are nostalgia for an older type of filmmaking. Okay. Where, like, Mars Attacks or something, where it's like... Oh. Gotcha. Going, it's like, a, it's like a genre movie of a bygone genre, and it's, there, I think, feel like nostalgia is mixed in with that, like nostalgia for old types of media. That's a good... And then there's times, there's other yeah. ones that are more like nostalgia for, like, a particular time period, just like... I don't know, in the world a little bit more. Yeah, like I always loved Stand By Me. Right. As a kid. I think, yeah, I think Stand By Me is maybe, because I'm thinking there's also maybe another kind that is like nostalgia for a period of time in your life. And it doesn't necessarily have to be during the 90s or the 80s or whatever. It can just be a time when you were like in high school is a common one, but like another period of time in your life, like, or when you're like early in your 
in your 20s and trying to establish yourself, that yeah. sort of thing. Like, it doesn't have to be tied to a particular time period, though. Yeah, like, different... Like, they're all, I think they all still fall under the coming-of-age bracket, but they're just... They call them, what, late... Yeah. Second, second coming-of-age or, or late-stage coming-of-age is the name for the ones where... It's like, it used to be called the Midlife Crisis movie, but I think people of our <laughs> age don't like that phrase because we don't think of ourselves as old enough to have midlife crises. Right. Um, But or even like, like this isn't a movie, but like the wonder years it's, you don't have to have been a kid then it's more about being a kid than about being a kid in whenever, when was it said in the sixties? Yeah. Well, yeah, because it it hits the universal (laughs) themes. Right. Right. Yeah. Same as like, I think the the movie, the show for me when I was in high school was that seventies show. Right, uh, yeah. Because that, that was not when I was in high school, and it was kind of similar. It wasn't my favorite show, but it was the kind of thing where I'm like, like, they get me, even though this is about people 20 years older. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, it was just, that was going to be my follow-up question is, did you watch that 70s show getting it? Yeah, like, I got the, yeah, because I think they did a good job of making it a show for that time, but of, a, but of another time. Because when I was a kid, one of the shows that was on, like, right after school, but before dinner, would be, like, reruns of Happy Days. And I was very confused for a long time there about what was going on. In Happy Days? Because I didn't get that it was set in a different time period. Oh! It was meant to be like the olden days. I, that, I, that, I didn't get that. Huh. Because I watched Happy Days as a kid too because it, it was just on all the time. It was re- in reruns. But I th- I'm pretty sure I, I was aware that it, it was a period piece. Uh, that has a connection to this, this uh, movie. Do you yeah. know what it is? Ron Howard. Yeah. Oh. We spoiled it for Mike. Oh. I should just go home. <laughs> <laughs> that's it. That's the that's the draw. Uh, okay. Well, so good what, segue. The good segue. That is true. We will shut up now and we will start watching. <laughs> Let's all go to the lobby to get ourselves a treat. So we just finished and... That is not the movie I thought we were going to watch. But it was really just them driving I mean, it around. It really, really was, though. <laughs> <laughs> so Carrie was right. Oh, <laughs> uh, Mike. It Mike. was so that. Well, so what, what, I, I'm very curious. What, what was the movie you thought we were going to watch? Well, I thought it was going to be only that. I didn't... I don't know. I just... I thought I was going to go, Oh, this is so George Lucas. And there's so much about it that's not. I mean, first of all, it's... It he, does. He's a guy who made a career out of very strict, like, hero's journey storytelling. Yeah. And this is just so much... The opposite. ...wilder and freeform and and ensemble And also, just like, I think, hands down, the best acting I've ever seen in a George Lucas movie. Yeah, yeah. that's true. It's arguably his best film. I would say, like, from just, like, a nuanced point of view, and just, like, this is all those things you mentioned. Now, I mean, of course, yes, Star Wars is a great film for what it's done for cinema, and yada, 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 and all the other stuff. Yes. Yeah. But, you, to your point, I'm like, there's weaknesses to Star Wars from, you know, acting oh, levels and oh, several yeah. things, right? Yeah. But, yeah, it's, it's, to the point where, when I was watching, I was thinking about that more and more, and I'm like, you know, there's two other writers in the film, right? Yeah. Uh, and Coppola is producing it too, right? Mm-hmm. So I watched this and I'm like, how much was this Lucas's film and how much was it a real collaboration of, of other, of people to the point where maybe he didn't have the control he wanted. So that is the thing that almost going forward 
made him the man he is now, where, right. he, where it's like he's kind of surrounds himself with yes people. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and I wonder if that wasn't a case where it was more of a film made by a collaboration of people. Because you, you see this and you think, yeah, Coppola makes sense. You know, but I don't think if you watch this film without knowing who the director was, and you're like, who directed that movie? I don't think in a million years you'd guess George Lucas. No. no. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and they all were like buddies. Yeah, they all went to... And they would work together on their projects, and uh, apparently they all did help him with Star Wars, even. Yeah. Um, So, I mean, it does make sense what you're saying, that they would have worked together on... Yeah, I'm just curious how much the the script was. I think he had the the idea for the script, uh, but I think the other two people just knowing how not great he is at dialogue too. Exactly. Yeah. Like uh, actors on set of Star Wars, like yeah. giving him hell about his dialogue. Yeah. Going like, you know, I think it was a Harrison Ford line on set of like George, you you can write this shit, but you can't say it. Yeah. <laughs> Whereas there was like stretches that were obviously totally scripted and whatever, but there was other bits where I was like, I feel like these actors are, if not improvising, being like, you know, not, have been given some freedom to not be like word perfect with their dialogue. Because there was just like a certain messiness to it throughout that doesn't seem very like... You know, not very Phantom Menace. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, oh. Yeah, that was a, a low blow. <laughs> uh, Carrie? Sorry. Um, yeah, I I completely agree. Um, and I would like to <laughs> just pause for me before I forget to say, like, Richard Dreyfus is a baby. He, I love young Richard Whoa. Dreyfus. But yeah. I, don't, I don't want to get away from the Lucas thing, but I don't want to forget. No, 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 it's okay. Yeah, we'll, we'll go true. through the cast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, you're right. You're absolutely right. And it's interesting how, like, I mean, obviously in Star Wars, he literally creates, like, a play, a sense of place, like a, a place. But he does, it's such, it's so evocative of, like, this time in your life and presumably that time in history, um, which is, you know, nothing that you, we've seen from Lucas in, other, in his other work. Yeah. I mean, he, like I said, he creates his own world, which is obviously... Not, s- yeah, not nothing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, <laughs> but I yeah. think it's something different. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, because even the... And this is what I do love about kind of coming of age and nostalgia films where, like, when they're done well, like, I didn't grow up in this era, but I had those nights, you know, where you're driving around with friends and you... And start off with one person, and then yeah. you jump in the other car, and then you end up somewhere else entirely. This movie makes me wonder if Dazed and Confused was an homage to this movie. So heavily influenced. Interesting point. You know, for sure. I was thinking about that while, that movie while I was watching this one. Um, but even, it made me think of all the other, like, movies I forget about that are kind of coming of age, nostalgia films. Even Superbad. I remember when I first right. watched that, and I was like, oh god, I had those friends in high school. You know, I remember those <laughs> yeah. two idiots. Well, I think also Dazed and Confused is like Link Letters based on his high school life, and this yeah. is based on Lucas's high school life. So, like, I know one's in Texas and one's in California, but like, you know, yeah, and, and they're in different time periods. But. Yeah, or that they are. Are they both like up, up over one night? Yes. Mm. Yeah, because yeah, the, right. Dazed and Confused is the last they day of high school. Right. So it's yeah. like it's like they just graduate. So it's sure. the last day where this is. This feels like it's, like it's the last later. day of summer. It's like yeah, last day. Yeah, of last summer, day of yeah. summer. Very similar, 
But um, but yeah, it all takes place in one night too. I haven't watched it in forever. That's such a great film. Yeah. yeah. Um, we'll get into the cast. The soundtrack for this film, like this is before they started, it became like a giant thing where soundtracks were ridiculously expensive right. for films. I think it was actually dirt cheap to get to license songs for mo- oh, movies. And that's why... Like, I was wondering about that. Well, just watching the credit roll, the, the music section was longer than anything else. Yeah. Yeah. Because uh, it's wall-to-wall music. Like the whole, I don't think there's a single piece of score in this movie. I think it's all done. It's all just licensed tracks. Yeah. So I wonder, has that complicated this movie's, like, survivability? Like in terms of no, because they would have having to relicense stuff. No, you don't have to. If, if no. they do their contracts properly, they would own it for the life of the movie. Right. It's, okay. it's forever. It's forever linked to the movie for use as the movie. I guess because I remember hearing stories about how WKRP. Yeah. Was like, if it was available, it was either they were doing versions of it where they were subbing out music for like DVD sales years after it was done because having to relicense music that they only got for broadcast TV. And but that's a different thing because, right, I guess that's because a thing. TV then nobody was ever expecting TV to go onto a format that you would buy right, in your house, right? right? Yeah. Where films were. Films were always at this, well, I guess not this era. But they would have just probably, it would have been a different kind of contract. Right. Well, I guess they, I don't know, but like as an ex-distributor, like you, you, you maybe would have had to license it for like television and, or like television sales and stuff, right? So there were yeah. l- like later windows. So yeah. maybe you, they would have licensed it in perpetuity like you would now. I, I for don't. film, you imagine they, it, it would be a more overall know. contract because they probably, they knew they'd do a TV sale at some point. They'd sell yeah. this or here. Where with yeah. TV, it was I think TV was considered so disposable then, right? That the idea of this is going to have a life decades from now, and people would own a copy. Yeah. yeah. So they just wouldn't have had the rights for those for DVDs and home video. Plus, I think WKRP lucked into because of this the this the music that would be featured. Like you walk into somebody into the booth to give Johnny Fever hell, and the song that's playing was just whatever you know, rock yeah. song was on the radio that week, but have they, like almost all of them have turned into timeless classics. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. They're, they're not like, there's almost no forgettable music on that show. Cause I mean, maybe the people who were picking it, were picking it with good taste, but, um, I've heard it was like, they were in a situation where it was like, either we make these DVDs affordable and, and we put in different music like generic just like, you know, yeah. a sound de- a TV music department music or the DVD costs $200 <laughs> kind of a thing. That's and then yeah. eventually work things out. But yeah. yeah, like this is like, like the, uh, there's so much amazing music in this. Yeah. Cause yeah. they weren't making money on films. It wasn't until the big chill, which was in the eighties that they started making uh, movie soundtracks that they go and sell. Like, they'd sell the record, and then, you know, eventually the DVDs and the tapes and the cassettes. And I, so they weren't, so they wouldn't have taken this. Maybe now they have, I'm sure at some point someone's made the, cause what a box set this would be. Yeah. If you, but then arranging that deal would probably be crazy, because you saw the different labels yeah. that were in the credits, yeah. right? Because um, th- this wasn't one of those ones where they'd go and sell uh, discs there, which is what made it more complicated, because they'd be able to make money off that, but... Uh, 
surprised George Lucas didn't have the foresight the way he did with, with toys. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and merch. Just because just we were mentioning the music, I just also want to say that I thought the sound design overall was amazing. Cause there was... Walter Merch did the sound design. Um, oh, really? Who is a, who, I don't even know who Walter Merch is. Yeah, like, but yeah. I know him as an editor, yeah. aren't I? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah okay. He started off in sound. I did not know that. But there'd be like two teenagers talking... But just somewhere in the distance, you'd hear like girls screaming, and a engine revving or something like the the sound of the the whole little downtown core of the world, town yeah. was like present in all kinds of weird ways. Yeah, and especially really nice. for a fifty or almost fifty year old movie. And to the soundtrack too, I really liked that the way it kind of evoked. Um, that everybody was listening to the same station. No matter who you were. Uh, yeah. And so that that's what oh, the whole yeah. street would have sounded like that because everyone's listening to Wolfman Jack. So as you're walking down the street, you, you're sort of hearing it all around you. Right. You could, yeah. you could get out of the car you're in and, and jump into the car right beside you and five yeah. seconds later and the song continues. Yeah. Yeah. Which was, which I mean, I guess Lucas didn't realize he was, he that, that, that was going to change, but, yeah. um, but now, you know, that's obviously not something that happens. And it was kind of neat that it really brought that, the way that they use the music. Yeah, that. no, that's cool. Uh, but also just the way, it's so funny to listen to that now, because we think of it as oldies, right? And, yeah. Uh, yeah. and grandparent music. But the, talk, but the way the characters talk about how to say, well, this is the edgy stuff, you know? But like, what is, like, for when he made that movie, and when the movie was set... Would it be like me going like, I'm going to make a movie with all my favorite songs from 2005? <laughs> well, I think the movie actually came out in 73. I, okay. I want to yeah, say that's the year. I think so. Because then they made a sequel actually called More American Graffiti in really? 79 or something. It was in the late 70s. Which is funny because this is one of those movies that ends with, this is what happened to everybody. Yeah. yeah. And then they did a sequel. Yeah. <laughs> um. But yeah, so this would have been so seventy three. Did, did it ever say what year it took place? Well, it, it says some of those guys yeah, died in sixty five. Yeah, in sixty five. So it must have been the end of sometime in the fifties. Late fifties, early sixties. Well, but wait, what about the Beach Boys? When the when the how old is that Beach Boys song? Because uh, they talk about the Beach Boys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They yeah, play yeah. a Beach Boys song, but I feel like like yeah, this was like the music before the sort of Rolling Stones revolution. Yeah. So it would have seemed like kind of dated or not dated but older at the time of release I yeah like think. more changed about people's musical tastes in a short amount of time I yeah think. between like the 16 candles to like i can't get no satisfaction yeah um time or maybe even a little later um uh, it says it takes place in 1962 so it would have oh, been okay. 10 years at so it would have made 10 years later so it'd be like making a movie about right. you know 10 uh, years so That's only, it. Only 10 years later. Wow. Yeah, because, yeah, if it came out in 673, it would have been made yeah. in 72. But, like, but you look at, like, a st- I'm pretty sure Mad Men starts in 62. You look at, like, the span of fashion and changing over the course of that, that series. It's a dizzying amount of change. Yeah. Like, I well, don't think things have changed that much since 2012. There was this big, well, exactly. I think in that, that way, maybe in other ways, big, yeah. But even really like the JFK 90s was killed, and like uh, you know, music evolution, fashion evolution, and everything. There was a big jump yeah. in between, um, in between those two time periods. But even like fashion from when like I was a kid in the nineties, like, I was born in eighty one, so it's like I went to high school in like mid nineties, late nineties, right? 
And so I think of like, I still wear the same clothes and, I don't, and they're, <laughs> they're not really dated, you know, right. like I wear t-shirts and jeans and, you know, yeah, but, short sleeve button ups and all and that's what like, I, I'm, I feel like I'm dressing exactly the same as I did in high school and, it, and I don't feel dated, which is right. crazy. The distinctions become about like how dark or how dark a blue are you, your jeans to be in style. Much darker. As opposed to like <laughs> yeah. how light, how faded. Yeah, they're not tapered not, anymore. Not whether you're wearing jeans or not. <laughs> but like the specific blue. No, the yeah, that, like, that's changes. true. Or the style. Yeah, yeah there's, okay. there's definitely little things that you can poke to. But like I think of like in the 90s and like windbreakers. Yeah. I think everyone's in Air Jordans. That's all yeah. coming back. But like, that's see, just it. I'm 10 years older than you. And... I mean, so I was in the, high oh, the, in 80s. the 80s. But that was the so, last big change, right? Yeah. Yeah. But then I guess the 90s, I don't know. Like, I see, like, the kids today, and they there's a lot of stuff, like, yeah, late 80s, early 90s kind of look. Coming back. Well, skater so culture it is, is kind back, of distinctive, right? I guess. We just, I don't know. Yeah. You know, we're just old souls. The grunge era. I think, of, like, the grunge era defined kind of our fashion. In, in, yeah, in, in some ways, right? Yeah, there was a good chunk there where I was never not wearing plaid. <laughs> <laughs> the Canadian right. tuxedo. Um, it's so funny. I think more of like when I look at like stuff that's dated from the '90s, it's more about technology. Yeah, uh, and you know, self. Yeah. Like that, and that's. And then, I mean, that's the good thing about if you wanted to make a period from the, like our childhoods and our high school experiences. It's not that expensive. It's not. It's not the same as. As, yeah. as this movie would be to make because all the cars like the cars yeah. would be one thing yeah but even the cars haven't changed the looks that much from the 90s onward either it's not like we, we don't have the flying cars we were thinking that yeah. Robert Zemeckis promised us you know <laughs> or our hoverboards damn it where's my hoverboard you know so it's interesting that uh, but what you do need if you're making a period from but like the 90s is Technology, like the right cell phones and TVs and computers, and, right, right, and those kind of elements. Yeah, I figure the thing is like to like if you're gonna do that now, the people who have those cars have those cars exactly like they would have like having a a vintage car is about keeping it exactly the same. Yeah. So the real work would be in like mm-hmm. redressing a street. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't know, as you as a director, do you look at this go that was. Five weeks of night shoots. That must have been a miserable... With cars. That I was noticing been... some... Like, I guess they talked about the strip, right? But they kept on going by this California Canadian bank. Did anyone else notice <laughs> yeah. that? I only saw it once, but... I'm I was sure. thinking more of... No, because the whole movie would have been night shoots. Except for, yeah. like, maybe maybe a week they weren't... There was in... the one or two... Yeah, right. There was, yeah, like, a little a bit little of dawn bit. at the beginning. And there was a little and bit at the of... End. a little A little bit of one or two bits where I was like... Does this shooting day for night? Like it looks a little bit treated. Yeah, but that might have just been. And it's just the scene where the they go and where they go and race cars, where the sun's coming up, and it kind of yeah. jumps ahead to sun. Sun sunset goes very very quickly. Yeah, but it's that great shot of the sun's just coming up and all those cars coming down the driveway. Yeah, or not the driveway, yeah, but the down the highway. the, the, the road. Great, yeah. yeah, and all I could think of was like they had. One shot to get that shot. <laughs> but luckily it's not that complicated. It's just all the drive, cars drive up, right? Right. Um, yes, yeah, so this would have been all night shoots. I can only imagine. Um, but I just did that. I did that. Uh, the movie I shot in the Cayman Islands last year was three weeks of night shoots. Whoa. Because the movie all takes place inside this giant house where you can't black out the windows because it's just a giant mansion that's yeah, full yeah. of windows. Just be too much. And so we just had to shoot 
nights, pretty yeah. much the entire, because most of the movie takes place at night. I mean, I imagine, I imagine it's maybe a little bit easier to do, at least do all nights as opposed to going back and forth. But then you just get into but, schedule and then you're kind of, you're kind of, we were like halves. We'd do like two or three hours a day because we had enough of the movie to replace in the day. But for this, it's just, yeah, you just get into a night schedule. And depending on the time of year, your nights, they probably would have shot at a time of year where they have more night than they have day. I assume, mm-hmm. does California have that the way we do? I'm not sure. They must, because they do daylight savings time, right? Just like we well, do. Yeah. But yeah. isn't it the further... Further south. The further south you go, the longer the days are. Yeah. So maybe the opposite. But still, they would have a period where they have more night and day and vice versa at some point, I'd imagine. Yeah, they would yeah. have... But yeah. not as much as here. But she would probably plan for that just so like that way you could get a full twelve hour. That, that's the hardest shoot thing. It in the winter though, too, and it would still maybe look like summer. I don't know. Yeah, I don't, know, I don't know where in California they shot it. There was some stuff like all the stuff in the in the high school gym would have been shot in a day. You know, yeah. true. Yeah, that's yeah. easy enough. But there wasn't that many interiors. Like most of it takes place. True. Yeah. Out on the street, and also just the car rakes. Yeah. You know that none of that's green screened. At least if it no. doesn't seem like it. Well, and it looked like there was a lot of, like, actors really driving cars. Like, I'm, yeah. not, I'm sure there was stuff on, on rigs, but, like, or on trailers. That's more what I look at this and think that, that would have been a fucking nightmare, is just the amount of... It's just a pain in the ass to shoot scenes in cars. Yeah. Because you're not there with the actors. you got to stop every time. you got to reset, make, yeah. go back to the beginning. It just takes forever to shoot in cars when, when yeah. they're driving. And that's all they do in this movie. Yeah. Uh... So that it's that plus the nights like I imagine this, which is why then, <laughs> you see you, you kept the like Lucas doing the the prequel trilogy and everything's under green screens and he just sits at a desk the whole time. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, this is so much better. Yeah, I'm not doing that I again. I put in my time. <laughs> well, I bet you like I don't think he enjoyed that. But then he had he had hell in the first Star Wars too. Like they shot in the desert and they mm-hmm. lost sets and storms. Yeah, and yeah he like he sand everywhere. Hated direct. He didn't want to direct anymore after that one. Yeah, was like I want to make my. Sp- <laughs> I want to make my special effects studio and oversee things like yeah from a more yeah I don't like from th- a higher elevation yeah but but to that point like it's like it's a gor- it, the movie looks gorgeous it's just it takes its time it feels lived in it feels authentic mm-hmm. yeah. you know it's it's one of those things you look at and you're like oh I, it would have been nice if Lucas had made more personal films yeah at some point and I know he said he was going to do that after he sold Star Wars to Disney. Um, but then he hasn't, you know, yeah. he made that, he made one movie, that Red Tails movie. Um, right. and that was it that he's done since then. Although he said, maybe I'll make a bunch of stuff and nobody will ever see it. Who knows? Maybe after he dies, they'll find like this vault with stuff that he's just been doing on the ranch. <laughs> Wouldn't that be amazing? That <laughs> 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 well, was a we get the, <laughs> George Lucas's The Ranch. <laughs> <laughs> parts one, two, and three. <laughs> There's something I would love about that. If all of a sudden this like collection of his movies came out and they're all just these amazing nuanced character studies, you're like, what the fuck? <laughs> what? You just held on to these? <laughs> <laughs> well, actually, Mike, I'm curious, like as a writer, like your thought about how like d- he did a good job of developing the characters. Like you feel like you know these people and you know who they are fairly quickly yeah. without being like, oh, hello, brother. Like, you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> well, to be fair, Dreyfus's character did do that one. He's like, hey, sis. Yeah. Like, there was that one where, but they also needed that because how else are you ever going to know? Yeah. 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 I'll allow that. But what? what's the question? 
Well, do, do you? I felt like he did a pretty good job of like kind of. We know who all these people are pretty quickly. Yeah, this is what I'm saying. Who all these characters are? Like, yeah, what, and he he wasn't too kind of blatant or obvious or. No, it's really good. I mean, it's. I, I gotta say, I think. The character. It's probably. A, I think it's a mix of. He wasn't writing alone, mm-hmm. so it's really easy to imagine that like. There's stuff that we loved about the script and the writing in this movie that was all him. And then there's other stuff that was somebody else. Maybe one of the other co-writers did like a dialogue pass just to make things sound a little less, you know, like Still came too. from a typewriter. <laughs> and the, But then the other thing is, it, it, it like, it clearly seems like a personal project to him, which makes me wonder, like, are half the characters or all the characters like people from his real life yeah like where he's got a voice a really authentic voice in his head for particular friends that he had growing up and that was informing some of the the writing there and filling it out a little bit whereas you know like i I haven't read any of the early drafts that exist of like star wars but like there's big changes like he like there was a time where it was like C-3PO is going to be like a game show host robot. Like, you know, it's all just sort of like big, weird, archetypal character choices as opposed to like, this is my friend Steve from high school and I'm just going to, I'm even going to call him Steve. Right. Right. Yeah. And there's no like Kurosawa in here or... No, or I don't think so. Like I didn't see any, but yeah, so, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'm not exactly a scholar on it, but yeah, like they're like he's not. Yeah, he's not drawing from other influences in this one. Yeah, where I he mean, was in Star Wars for sure, and even Raiders. Not that he directed Raiders, but he was involved in it, and yeah. that was also like from like adventure serials. Yeah, exactly. Right? Where, he he totally wrote the scene where the cop car. Axel gets thrown, pulled off. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. Well, and the thing is, you do, I mean, I do see little, like, echoes of the things that he's excited about in this movie in some Star Wars stuff. Like, you know, the Millennium Falcon, like, you've got your 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 vehicle that you're <laughs> really, really attached to, yeah. <laughs> that can go really fast, that you're really proud of, and you're a bit it's of a It's driven by Harrison it. Ford. You're <laughs> racing around in it. And like then in like what in you know there's all those pod races and that one of those um yes. basically like space drag oh, racing and yeah. some of that Star Wars stuff and and then there's like an infamously hated scene in one of the prequels where it's the like, diner they're in a 50s style diner in yeah. space oh, my yeah. son and I were just talking about the other day what a weird thing that was in the middle of Star Wars it's such a strange choice but that was at the point in his career where he probably didn't have to he didn't have to fight. For every oh nobody was telling him he didn't get notes anymore, which is terrible. I mean, well, and maybe he just wanted it to be an homage to American. Like, oh, I'm gonna put a designer in my movie just to evoke, you know, to to throw back to my old movie. Yeah, yeah. Well, he does that. Like the the yellow roadster or whatever that car is. The license plate is the name of his first movie. Right, it's THX one three eight one three eight. Yeah. Um. So I was just reading that. First of all, this is a fun fact. Uh, George Lucas missed his high school reunion because he was shooting the film. Hilarious. Oh. Which is funny. But also, they shot the movie in order. Oh. In chronological order. Wow. Uh, which led to... Which, which was great because the actors were getting exhausted by the end. And it oh. worked for the characters because they were also <laughs> just like... 
it was, you know, they're up all night. Yeah. yeah. So it was, a, I'm sure that wasn't the reason why they did that, but it's, it's, it worked. I'm sure that didn't hurt. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. I can't imagine that schedule. Uh, apparently it was, it was turned down over and over. And then, and even when they finished the movie, it was shelled for six months cause they didn't know how to market it or who the film, right. if there was an audience for a film like this. Hmm. Interesting. Wow. Uh, and then it did incredibly well because, but again, it's like, we didn't have like, so this is 73. It's like, you know, the French new waves happening, but like we're right in that we're right before like the big indie craze that's going on in the later 70s but it's it's an interesting time in the cinema there right because there's just probably a bit more nuanced and art nouveau than you know what was coming out of the studios right even at that time and then you went and made star wars <laughs> it's still such a weird anomaly this movie it really is but it's i'm so glad i saw it me it's, too it's not so you had said I, I think it's just going to be about driving around. <laughs> yeah. And so, what to what extent do you feel like it really was just a bunch of driving around? Or was it... Yeah, I think it was What you expected? Or? It was kind of what I expected. I expected, like, driving around and, like, kids... I thought it was, like, summer vacation or, or weekend kind of thing. You know, right. kids just, like, fill in their time in a town when there's no Netflix. And, and you know, what do you do? You just drive around? thought that's and I guess that's kind of what it, I wasn't I was a little surprised when like the the liquor store owner shots I was very I was surprised like, Wait, this is taking a turn yeah <laughs> and then when like Harrison Ford's car like flipped over I, th- I wasn't expecting that either no I thought it was like a very I thought it was like suddenly going for a tragic ending that I was not prepared for yeah, same That would have been a, a bad tone shift. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I thought that too like whoa 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 where are we going here? Um and, uh, yeah, so it was kind of what I expected. Not completely, but kind of. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting. Like, it does, what I like about it, I like that it's, like, right from the get-go, they're like, we gotta, we're leaving tomorrow. Like, they set this, so you get yeah. this sense of, like, oh, one last day of... Right. It almost, like, in a really well-written way, like, sets the stakes for the movie. It's like, we leave tomorrow. One, he wants to go. He doesn't. And my writer brain instantly went, oh, right, I think they switch by the end. <laughs> right, yeah, yeah, yeah. I feel like by the end they got to switch. But, like, but then it's the story of how does that... But even if you, if you figure that out going on, you're like, well, what's going to happen that's going to make them possibly switch? You know? I love Dreyfus's last... Not his last scene, but his last scene alone where he's talking in the phone booth. And he, he has a great line that I think has been quoted over and over again of, you're the most exciting thing that's ever happened to me, and I don't know anything about you. Right. Or or something like that. And I just love his excitement in that moment. He's so good. Yeah. That scene, he was so... Excitement is exactly the right word. He really made you feel what he was feeling. Yeah. It's a great cast, like... But he really anchors it. Yeah. yeah. And and Ron Howard... It's interesting. The casting of Ron Howard's fascinating because of Happy Days. Because he's basically playing, like... Um, I want to say a more nuanced Richie Cunningham, right? A bit more spoiled, or well, that's more a more human, like the guy is not as sweet. That he's more human. He's flawed. Yeah, yeah, a more like uh, three dimensional kind of uh, Richie Cunningham, I guess, would be the the way to describe it. Yeah, yeah, and I feel like like uh, we look at it and we see Richie Cunningham, and then we sort of realize that it's not Richie Cunningham, but like 
audiences in 1973 would have not done that. Yeah. So I feel like we have a different filter on him. If, if yeah, hugely. Yeah. That's true. That's true. Um, yeah, because he has that moment where he... It's I love... Like, there's an interesting commentary just on, like, the sexuality. Because they had that, that scene where he's kind of forcing himself on... Well, not kind of. He's forcing himself on his girlfriend. But she doesn't... Put, like she's just like lies limp and he gets mad and stops right yeah but it's interesting because even yeah, yeah this movie's oh god is it 40 years old yeah like 50 <laughs> it's 50 holy fuck this movie's yeah. 50 years old Almost, yeah jesus anyway <laughs> let my brain wrap around that but you know it's fairly i don't want to say progressive but you know the fact that she, like, I feel like the women have a, are well written in this movie. You yeah, know? for the which, time I would say. Which I isn't agree. always the case for the, for the time yeah. or even the genre, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. You often yeah. see these movies are very much from the male point of view, but it feels like, I think there was two, one or two of the, one of the writers, maybe both of them were, were females, actually, the co-writers. So I feel like that's the reason for that, because Lucas also, of, of the other things he's known for, you know, one is not, you know, female characters. Yeah, although Princess Leia, you know, is one of my, was one of my childhood feminist idols. Yeah, Gloria Katz. <laughs> Gloria Katz is the other writer who also wrote Howard the Duck. Wow. The, uh, yeah, I feel like there's, you get the sense with those scenes where there's like men crossing the line with women or there's the threat or mm-hmm. of that. You know, like, uh, what's his name being concerned about being seen in the car with a girl so young. Yeah. But the, the stuff they talk about can get pretty like, eye like eyebrow raising, but ultimately like with all that stuff, generally you get the sense that the point of view of the film is that that's, that's not cool. That's yeah. not a good line to cross. Whereas like, there's definitely been stuff that like even for this podcast, we've like rewatched from another era where it's like, Oh, this movie has got no opinion about this. Yeah. That's happening. Or like, isn't there's that, you know, that, you know, the, the sexism, the misogyny that the, that you can almost feel that the filmmakers are like blind to. Yeah. Whereas or they think it's funny. Exactly. Oh yeah. Or yeah. worse. Yeah. Yeah. Whereas like, maybe an example where there's a bit of blindness to that is like, it's like four male characters get an end card about what happens to them after the movie is done. None of the female characters get that. Even though they had roles that were of a size that would have warranted it, like they had roughly equal screen time. Yes, exactly. I just thought, I was like, well, what happened to Lori? After when they showed that, but yeah. Yeah, I want to know what happened to to at least Lori... And and the girl that the toad hooked up with, she was, I think she was my Debbie. favorite. She was so good. What a great character too. <laughs> I think the actress name was Candy. I'm just looking at the credits, and there was an actress named Candy, and I'm like, it's gotta be her. Yeah, yeah. could be. But she was great because what I liked about her was she just, like, she just from the moment you see her on the street walk, like clearly she's coming from a bad situation or a situation where someone stood her up. Or something, and he just grabs her. It's like she comes, she appears, she's almost like one of the better written Manic Pixie Dream Girls. Right. Because yeah, she's yeah. also, like, she comes out of nowhere, and she's. Well, at first you think it's Damsel in Distress. 
And then you find out she's an agent of chaos. Yeah. <laughs> she's like... <laughs> she's like a proto-Harley Quinn kind of... Uh, oh, it's true. That's a, that's a, <laughs> Harley Quinn. That's a great... Because I love that moment she's done. She says, I had a great night. This happened. Yeah. That, and she's listening and all. It's like, oh, stay away from her. She is the fucking tragic fire. She's amazing. <laughs> but then he ends up missing in action. Yeah, that's sad. But that, but that guy, you buy it. He just he would just follow the adventure, you know. He'd go off to war because he'd think it's like a new group of buddies to be with. Mm. Yeah, you know, he'd be like the best soldier in his platoon. He would just do whatever you asked him to. He'd clear a minefield. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think probably with the with what was going on in the world when the movie was released, it would. And you're thinking, like, yeah. it would be, it would, like, in the, the mind, like, to me, that's felt like, oh, that's, like, out of the tone of the movie. But yeah. I guess in the world of the, you know, the year and the month that it was released, and you're thinking about your own, like, high school friends, mm-hmm. you're probably thinking about, like, this guy and this guy and this guy who never came home. It would feel odd for them to not, not, to uh, not address that. Yeah, because it's only guess. seven years earlier that that guy would have died. Yeah. If this is 73, yeah. and he died in 65. Well, and in 73, the war two was just ending. Yeah, so yeah. if anything, it's like, yeah, like you said, it would be weird to not mention that. I yeah, that's I a good point. Because it was just part of the pop, not pop culture, but part of the, the world, right? Yeah. You knew somebody. There was a context that it was. Yeah, everybody knew somebody them. that probably went to war and never came back. Yeah. Or multiple people, right? As yeah. it were. It wouldn't have been a non sequitur. I mean, being a bit harsh by calling it that, in, mm-hmm. but um, it wouldn't have been a non sequitur to that audience. I'm guessing. No, but, no, I would have grounded it more in more realism, if anything, right? For yeah. the fact that they brought it up, because nobody's talking about going off to war or joining the army or anything like that at this. Yeah, point it's not even movie, on right? the yeah. horizon. Well, no. maybe that's what happened to some of Lucas's friends. It wouldn't surprise me at all, yeah. for sure. Yeah. And same with the car crash. Um, same, like we, I had friends that they didn't race, but I had a friend that died in a car accident in high school. Yeah, me too. Um, Not a friend, but like somebody I totally knew, like was in like Cub Scouts with and stuff. Yeah. No, we, I had two, right? I had five friends that died. I had a friend that died every single year of high school. Are you kidding me? Which makes me realize I was the cursed one. Jeremy. Oh my oh gosh. My yeah. And, terrible. And, and, not, oh. and in strange ways. There two were car accidents. One was a guy, we were, they were up at a cottage. I wasn't there, but he got stung by a bee and they were out, out in town and his EpiPen was stuck in the car and he was like stuck out there with his girlfriend and he died with her there. She was, I understandably messed up for a considerable amount of time afterwards. But so it's like when I see like moments like those in movies of young people like dying way before their time you know they they feel authentic to me because I've, I've lived through that where I know right. a lot of people are like oh it's yeah. so dramatic they put that in there and it's like I don't know there's something you know for, for those of us who unfortunately lived through you know young young uh, tragedies uh, I, I appreciate the the realness of it yeah 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 
Now that I think about it, there was two two people died in my high school. Well, oh, now it's a competition, Mike. No, I I'm thought. saying, I'm saying, wasn't just one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Two, but like, not anyone I knew and uh, very well, and a much bigger. Like you, you would have been in a much smaller yeah. school than I yeah, was, was. I'm a, guessing. Well, it was a high school of I think maybe eight hundred thousand kids, and that was the only high school in town. So okay. you you knew everybody, right? Yeah, everybody knew. So it wasn't small, but it was. The only high school. It's not like my kids go to a school down the street and there's five other schools they could walk to in the neighborhood. Yeah. You know? So, uh... I don't recall anybody dying when I was in high school. I feel very charmed. Well, yeah, well, it shouldn't happen, you know? My high school was about the same size as yours. Yeah. But I also lived in the middle of nowhere, so people didn't... Driving and alcohol were involved in both situations, and so... Well, all of mine involved, like, kids doing just, like, probably all preventable acts. All of them were, I think, preventable in some ways. Yeah. Um, But it was also... Like, growing up for me in Winnipeg, it was like, you got your license, like, the second you were able to. Yeah, same. You know? Because there's nothing to do otherwise. No, you literally, like, can't do stuff. And, And also... All your friends are in just as big a hurry. So even if you are terrified to like get behind the wheel, you have all this incentive to like keep up with your friends. But also, it's just like the only way you're going to be able to to do anything. Yeah. Everyone had like crappy. This is not the case for my son now. He's eighteen and doesn't have his license yet. Well, he doesn't need to. He doesn't. He really he's doesn't. Not motivated. It's also like he's not going to be able to probably be at his own car or par- paying to park it everywhere here. Like it's just. It's not the same in the city, no. right? So, I mean, I realized that in Winnipeg you couldn't do this year-round, but so did you guys do the driving around the town thing? like? Yeah, I mean, not exa- not like... I mean, we did, but it felt like we were like the only, pretty much the only car driving around doing that. There's a couple of like... Yeah. Like, there was a couple of like, you know, all ages nightclubs that were going for a while there where it was like they didn't serve alcohol and you could you 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 were allowed in if you were like under eighteen and it was just like dance night where we'd sometimes like go to the parking lot or whatever, <laughs> but nothing like this, like where that's what everyone was doing. My my version of this wasn't because there was nothing it was a town like of fifteen hundred people of like yeah, it was like a small town, right? It wasn't even called a town, it was considered a village. By like, however they they decide that by population, right? Because <laughs> um, when I say the eight hundred students, like that's people living in the country too that are bussed in, oh, okay. right? So the town itself didn't hold that many people, and so our version of we did that, but it wasn't like driving from the hop to Mel's Burger House. It was going from one house party to a bush party, right? To this or that. So you had to know where the parties were that yeah. weekend, and you'd literally go from one to the other. And see who was at where. And it's like, oh, are you going there later? Yeah, we're going there after this. And yeah. so you do that kind of thing. We which kind of so go back right to Dazed and Confused. More of a Dazed and Confused. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But there was a bit of it being like, I think we just came off as like a car full of guys being creepy. Not that there was a whole <laughs> lot of like, hey, baby. Like, no. Like, no. Like, no, we, we never were, did that. We were like, <laughs> the other four nights a week, we were playing Dungeons and Dragons. So like, <laughs> you know. But the... Uh, there was a bit of that, like there was like a bush party, or they you're just gonna all like drive to Sev and get Slurpees, or you're gonna go to the you know this parking lot, like a school parking lot or something, and just see it's maybe people are there, and otherwise just kind of like drive around because it was like 
summertime and no one had air conditioning so driving around with windows down in the summertime was like the, you know the closest thing to air conditioning yeah no ours was all house parties all house parties and they all get broken up the cops never really ever broke them up it was more that they'd be hanging out outside oh really so really? but I think that was more to discourage anyone driving away drinking and driving right right it wasn't like they were pretty cool they'd make sure they'd usually probably contact the parents somehow or they'd come by the next day when the parents were home and be like hey by the way your kid had a party here last night right. you know but they were kind of cool about it it was more like they were chaperones because again all the cops knew everybody right. right so it wasn't like a random officer showing up they right. all they knew who your parents were they knew who you were you know every time I, I, I ever got pulled over in high school by a cop, they hey, hey Jer, I'm like hey, yeah. I and because usually it was my friend's dad or someone, right. right? And I never got a ticket. Um, See, I had cousins in a small town, and I felt like from what I heard, they would get into more trouble just because, like, the really goody two shoes kids and the medium bad kids and the really bad kids were all in the same class and we we're all like friends with each other. Yep. Whereas in my my yeah. school, it was like. I was with the, like, the, like, not very good, not very bad kids. Like, there was really only so much trouble we were willing to get into. And so we, there was enough of us that we could, like, hang out and have fun or be at a, be at a party. And we never got near, like, you know, the headbanger kids parties. Well, that would be scary. Yeah. <laughs> Ours definitely all blended together in a weird way. Like, they, they were definitely cliques in my high school. But they all hung out at the same parties. Right. Yeah, it was like, because the parties were big enough and nobody really, like, threw down or... There wasn't, like, a bullying culture that I, I was a part of or I remember. I'm sure there was. But luckily, I was lucky enough to not be part of it. You were, uh, like, the kingpin of your... Yeah, no, no. <laughs> but it's just, I no one was going to mess with you. No, no. <laughs> yes, that, clearly that was it. Uh, but, like, I don't... I just remember there being some kind of, like, this weird balance of just people being able to be get along together enough you know there's definitely people that fought and didn't get along it, but yeah. you know for the, it was lesser than the none so it was kind of a nice little weird situation that I I don't appreciate as much as I should um growing up that that weird that weird time of house parties just driving around and the cops oh now I want to write a story about I don't know <laughs> what driving around. Well, but you know what you do is, and same as this, I'm it sure it's itself. like it's right. It does write itself because when it's because it, you need that one memory, and then it triggers the next one, and it yeah, triggers yeah. the next one. But then all you do is you take down you know four years of high school memories and you boil them into what if one, this all happened one, one night? night? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You know, and what if that night we gave that to this character, this or that, right? But I remember, yeah, you'd, you'd leave a one car with somebody and somebody else would drive you home because that person decided to stay or right. this happened there. Oh, memories. Memories. Nostalgia. <laughs> uh, any final thoughts on American Graffiti? I liked it a lot, and I'm glad I saw it. I liked it a lot, and I'm glad I saw it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I... Uh, I didn't remember much of it. It was one of those things that as certain things were happening, I was like, I think this is where this is going. And I don't know if that was just my writer brain taking over or not, but uh, I was really glad I, I, I rewatched it. And it made me want to go maybe watch the sequel again, but I remember it being boring when I was a kid because my mom made me watch it. Right. It's terrible. 
This movie must have had something to do with then Happy Days getting made, right? Like, was there like a resurgence of the nostalgia for this era and then throw in Ron Howard? Well, what year is Happy Days? Mm, good question. I mean, it was in the 70s, it's wasn't like it? 50, I remember 50, it. It was around not... the same time. That's why I thought... Or like when it was... Set yeah, set in it's set in 57, but when did it come out? Because oh, like, so isn't it like yeah, around seven, the same 77 time. or... Yeah, because it was on TV when I was a kid. Yeah. Like, I feel like it was at... 74. Oh. oh, okay. So maybe he got cast because of this movie. I think, I'm guessing. Hmm. Oh. It's funny, because, yeah, because as we were talking about it, I was, you know, my brain was going the other way around, right? Where, uh, clearly, uh, they cast Richie Cunningham, but it was the other way around. Right. Right, because I, I, for some reason I thought Happy Days was made in the late 60s. But that doesn't make sense either, because Ron Howard would have been still doing, yeah, yeah. uh, yeah. still doing, what was it, uh, oh, Andy yeah. Griffith show. Oh, right? Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Opie. Well, you know, it's always with movies, like, I know you talk about this a lot on your podcast, where when you watch these sort of seminal films, and then... You, you try to extract, like, what is a trope and what is something that it invented. established and invented. Yeah, and I think um, this is a little bit one of those films, um, like, you were talk- just, just talking about where, like, your writer brain was, like, oh, what's going to happen? Um, maybe some of this was established by this film. Yeah. Some of the things that your writer brain was thinking. Yeah, I think so. Like, I forgot about him going off with that, like, gang of sorts. Oh, yeah, the um, gang. That was a little weird. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm not quite sure what that was all about. Because did, he didn't seem like the kind of guy who wouldn't get into trouble. You know? Uh, his uh, As much as I love Richard Dreyfuss' story in this, or a, a character in this movie, his story is baffling. You know, his, his main thrust is, like, he's trying to find this girl all night that he thinks said I love you in the car and then right. knows him but he doesn't know what's going on like, like his is the one that's left the most open in mm-hmm. a way and he has the most non-linear weird story right yeah. where everyone else feels like they're they're at least paired up with somebody yeah yeah, uh, and he's just floating with. around from car to car but maybe that's the point of his it, character too that, yeah like he's scared of what the future holds in a different state mm-hmm. and then the, even just staying at home, a bunch of wild stuff happens, and he comes out okay, so he's less scared. Well, you know, actually, you know, I normally I think like, it comes back to that quote, like, his sister says, he says that thing about, you know, why go off and find new friends and new adventures when there's friends and adventures here, but he spends that whole night having adventures with new people in unexpected ways, and he probably realizes, like, oh, that wasn't so bad. Right. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Okay, now the storyline makes yeah. more sense to me. And then the woman in the car is like sort of a thought representative of like what possibility? If, yeah, possibility of staying. Right. But. He but also the possibility that well, this happened here could happen anywhere. Oh yeah. You know, maybe I was th- that's what I was thinking when you were, when you were saying that is like the idea was like because he lets it go. He's like, yeah, we probably won't run into each other. He kind of like yeah, he just kind of lets go. It's like a victory that he got to talk to her. Yeah. yeah. But again, like that's again like such a thing that in later Lucas films you wouldn't see because it's so small. It's such a nuanced ending yeah. to that story. Oh yeah. But it's still satisfying because Richard Dreyfuss sells the hell out of it. He does. He's great. Yeah, he is great. Yeah, he really is. Well, thanks for coming over to watch this. Yeah, thank you.
I'm Thank glad you. I, I'm glad I had an excuse to. I, I think I would have probably forced my son to watch this at some point, just so that he can be shocked by by who who made the film. But uh, but yeah, maybe maybe he might, he might just be like confused because he'd be like, "How come there's no graffiti? <laughs> <laughs> no one did any graffiti in this movie." Well, my money back. <laughs> Why did that mean something else at some point? I don't know. Yeah, that's what a good is, question. It is a weird is title. <laughs> huh? Is it a reference to something? I don't know. Maybe if we watched it again, we go, "Oh yeah, there's graffiti." No, but it's I mean, kind of... maybe the stuff that they spray on the windshield when they spray like the the. Um, oh, the, the shaving cream? Films? Yeah, the shaving cream. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, I'm looking it up. I'm looking it up while we... Sorry, you were trying to wrap it up. I know. But I, I thought it's a good question. I didn't realize it was going to be a can question. of worms. No, it's a good question, though. What does American graffiti mean? Let's see. Let's see if Siri knows. What does... Oh, no. I, I, do you, do you uh, also have trouble typing? Oh, the, I, the, the, I I'm just getting worse and worse. Yeah. Okay. What does it mean? It doesn't have a clear answer. Why is it called American Graffiti? According to this random thing I just clicked on. Well, the term graffiti suggests glib, funny, and immediately referring to the comedy of the film. It also used in the title Wolf Coppola and other industry heavyweights wanted Lucas to title remain. George prevailed. American Graffiti was, became inedible. Indelible. It doesn't tell me anything. I guess, I don't know. Maybe graffiti was slang for something? This this made me more confused. <laughs> Never mind. Damn it. Well, nerds on the internet, if you know, throw us uh throw me an angry tweet. Yes. Send <laughs> yeah. us your theories. Tell us. On why the hell this movie was called this. This movie we all enjoyed, but the title is is confusing. <laughs> Thanks. Let's all go to Thanks for joining us for American Graffiti. Black Hole Films is a proud member of the That Shelf Podcast Network. You can listen to other episodes of our show and other That Shelf podcasts on thatshelf.com. Please subscribe, leave comments, spread the word, do all the things that let others know you like the show and how they can check it out. You can find me on Twitter, at Lon Jeremy, and go to Facebook and join the group Black Hole Films. And until next time, go watch something you've never seen before. Thanks. Let's all go to the lobby to get a 